this is Matthew Panatoni with Reduced Nurse Burnout Podcast. Today I have with me a special guest, Dwight Watson. He's a medical social worker, and uh, I hope you enjoy this conversation. Dwight, how are you today? Good. It's a nice Tuesday day. Yeah? Cold. Yeah. <laughs> do, you, uh, do you have any initial questions for me before we get started? Uh, no, man. I think I understand the concept of what you're trying to accomplish. Okay, perfect, perfect. Do you want to tell our guests uh, a little bit about yourself? Well, I've uh, been a social worker for about 50 years. I uh, started off in the state prison system and then did mental health for a few years and then hospital social work. And for the last 30 years, it's been mostly emergency departments. Wow. So... So you've been in the emergency departments, and now you're working in kind of a rural health care setting mm-hmm. with other rural health care nurses. What are some of the big challenges that you've faced in, in those different settings? Well, usually it's adjusting to the clientele. You know, the, uh, the prison system population, of course, is very different than chronically mentally ill and hospital patients. And so a good part of it has been just making the adjustment to a different setting and a different, uh, different clientele. Obviously, a prison is very different than working in a hospital. Mm-hmm. When, you, uh, when you go out and see patients... Uh, these days, like out in the middle of nowhere, uh, could you give a a description of kind of like what your day looks like? Well, it's a blessing in a way, Matt. Uh, Working in the emergency department, you see a lot of alcoholism, you see a lot of substance abuse, you see a lot of chronically mentally ill. And in this current situation, working with hospice, working with patients in their home, in the rural setting where you and I are working, people are relatively affluent, uh, which of course is not the case in a lot of the emergency room patients. And uh, people have family support, which again is not the case oftentimes in an emergency room situation. People at least say they have nothing. So in in a lot of ways, this is a pleasant change. Um, it's it's nice people. And, you know, Matt, a lot of the people I talk to are just like me. They're old white people. <laughs> uh, so, you know, it's kind of nice. And uh, the, the people that we're currently seeing have values about the same as mine, have a history about the same as mine. Uh, and as I say, a lot of them are old, like me. <laughs> so um, in some respects, it's easier. In some respects, it's uh, very pleasant to work with this current population. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What what would you say uh, got you into this field in the first place? Well, uh, when I graduated from college, I, I wanted to be a teacher. And uh, there weren't, this was in the 70s, and there weren't many teaching things around. And so I decided that I wanted to go into parole and probation for what reason, I'm not quite sure now. But uh, anyway, I ended up working in the prison. And uh, in working in the prison, the state of Washington uh, agreed to pay for my master's degree. And by the time I finished my master's degree, then I knew that really what I wanted to do was health care. Um, either outpatient, like community mental health, or inpatient, 
uh, as in working in the hospital and working in emergency departments. Hmm. And once I started in the emergency department, uh, I kind of got hooked on that, and I loved working in the emergency department despite all the things that go with that. Um, in, uh, in the emergency department, they talk about action junkies. These are people who, like paramedics and ER, most ER people are action junkies. They like it because there's always drama. And uh, for a lot of years, I enjoyed the drama of the emergency department. Mm. And now, nowadays, it's kind of... <laughs> yeah, now at 77, uh, there's not much attraction to the drama in the emergency department. <laughs> I can quite nicely do without it. Thank you. I'll take this nice uh, elderly patient uh, at home. Thank you. <laughs> I can resonate with that. I can resonate with that. <laughs> um, so, when you, when you have kind of the rough days, like where you're dealing with uh, with the the more traumatic situations, or things are just kind of melting down with the patients or with the care team, um, or with the nation as a whole, given COVID and all that, what are what are some things you do to kind of recharge your batteries or? Uh, well, I'm sure that most healthcare workers and nurses in particular have heard about life balance. And there's something about healthcare people, most healthcare people, they just have a proclivity to do too much. They, they easily fall into uh, working 60 hours a week, 70 hours a week, working three 12-hour shifts back to back. Um, and I think oftentimes we let our life get out of balance. Um, we put too much into work and we kind of forget about taking care of ourselves and in some cases we forget about taking care of our family. Mm. So to me that w when those kind of days come along I try to think about life balance. I try to think about the other things, my house, my cars, my kids, <laughs> you know, paying the bills, uh, anything other than health care. Uh, and a lot of times if you just take a minute, take a couple of deep breaths, think about the rest of your life because your job is not your life. Mm. Um, your job is an important part of your life, but it's not your life. Mm. Yeah, that's, that's powerful to say that. I mean, because there's so many people who have such giving hearts mm. and just want to make a difference. Yeah. And well, that's kind of how they start and out. Sometimes right? you just kind of get sucked into it. Uh, and you, you lose track of the fact that it's bleeding you dry. Emotionally, it's bleeding you dry. And you keep thinking, well, that, I'm a professional caregiver. That shouldn't happen to me. I, I shouldn't uh, feel that way. I shouldn't feel exhausted and uh, overwhelmed. But sometimes you do. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And sometimes we're not, as health givers, we're not very good at recognizing that and we're not very good at acting on it doing what you need to do to address the problem. You think, well, I'll just keep forging ahead. Mm. It'll be better tomorrow. I'll just keep going. Mm. Do, you, uh, do you have a specific go-to kind of decompression mm. activity for yourself? No, I certainly do, man. Uh, I live on the Tianaway River, and the river's always there for me. 24 hours a day, seven days a week, mm. I can walk down to the river and I can put things back in perspective. Mm. 
uh, for me, outdoors and nature and the river and Mount Stewart, those are all things that help me put life back into perspective. Hash. Mm. Yeah, I've been to your place once or twice, and it is beautiful up there. Um, something about being near water as mm. well and being... Well, it, it, you think it's eternal. It's not really, but you you look at it as being eternal and unchanging, and it's going to keep flowing no matter what happens to me or the, the patients that I'm seeing. The Tianaway River is going to keep on flowing. Mm. Yeah, that's beautiful. What are uh, what are some things that keep you motivated? I mean, you mentioned a lot of this stuff that you're dealing with and everything, yeah. and I mean, yeah. Well, of course, it's money. We're getting paid, mm-hmm. <laughs> and mm-hmm. so we've all got bills to pay, and you're thinking about all that. But yeah. um, it, the the job provides satisfaction uh, in a way that there are certain other things that I could do, but I don't think you would find, I would find the satisfaction in some other line of work than healthcare. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's, it's, it's just rewarding. Um, if you, if you, you feel that at the end of the day, you accomplished something, you made life a little bit better for somebody. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And when you when you are out there, what what exactly does a medical social worker do? How how do you make somebody's life better? Well, in this setting, it's primarily resources. Uh, so sometimes it's medical equipment. Sometimes uh, it's uh, end of life planning about the funeral arrangements and the five wishes. And uh, but sometimes it's a much more basic, like housing, uh, like food, Meals on Wheels, and because you know we do see some patients. Uh, who are financially stressed. Uh, some patients who uh, are living pretty close to the margin. So yeah, it, it, the basic part of it is, is resources. And fortunately, Matt, we're blessed to live in a community that's got good resources. Uh, there are things out there that can help people. And a lot of times, uh, the patients we see are not aware of those things through the Department of Social and Health Services, through their church, through whatever the case may be. So uh, the, the crux of what the medical social worker does in this setting is resources. Mm-hmm. And uh, now there's a lot of instances where, where uh, nurses, particularly uh, ones that are having to be out there in the field doing home health will tend to wear several hats. Mm-hmm. What's the best way you can support those nurses? Uh, uh, most of the nurses, particularly the nurses here, they're not shy about asking for help. I mean, they're well aware of what the medical social worker does, and they're not shy about asking. And uh, certainly, they see circumstances where the, the role of the medical social worker or the chaplain be, becomes almost paramount. Um, in most of the patients we see, nursing is the number one discipline, mm-hmm. and the rest of us are just kind of along for the ride. But mm-hmm. there are always these patients come along that all of a sudden it's the chaplain that's really needed, or it's the medical social worker that's really needed. That becomes the, the focus of treatment, at least temporarily. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, I agree with you there. Um, what are some things or some key things uh, that listen, listeners can take away from your experience as a social worker, as a medical <laughs> social worker? Well, I, I would say uh, don't let the job carry you away. Don't let the job um, monopolize your life. Uh, keep thinking about what your real life is and make sure that the other things in your life that deserve your attention, like your kids, like your church, like your family, make sure those things get their just due. Mm-hmm. That's good, good tips. I, I agree with that because there's so often, like even in other settings, like I remember when I was a young, a young buck working as a kitchen assistant and uh, I was working at a camp out in the middle of the woods, and uh, the lead cook uh, lived on site at the camp. And anytime anyone needed food, that cook was there and was always like willing to leave their house or their their place that they had for her at that spot, and uh, and would go out and prep a meal or organize. For us kitchen assistants to get out there and prep a meal and that we were talking uh, when she retired what she was gonna do because that was all she had done for like 25 years mm-hmm. and uh, I, I often kind of am curious what a nurse's goals are for like after after they're done with work as a nurse, or will they be a nurse for the rest of their lives? Yeah, no, you're Matt, you're a nurse for the rest of your life. Yeah. And I'm thinking of a couple of the patients we're seeing right now mm-hmm. who are retired nurses in their 70s, in their 80s. They're still a nurse. Mm-hmm. They're still a nurse. Mm-hmm. Um, this one family that we're seeing, the uh, she was a nurse educator. Mm-hmm. She taught uh, nursing students in North Dakota, and uh, even given her current physical situation, she's still a nurse. Mm. There, it, it, it's a lifetime thing. Yeah, you never yeah. stop being a nurse. I remember uh, working with our volunteer organization uh, several years back, and retired nurses would show up and want to help out and kind of play that similar role of caregiving. Yep. and. Uh, do you have some goals for after you're done being a well, social worker? Matt, I've retired three times. Yeah. <laughs> and I failed three times. So uh, it'll probably be the same thing that you hear with politicians when they retire. Oh, I'm going to spend more time with the family. So mm. uh, I'll, that'll be my goal is a little bit of traveling and spending more time with the family. But in reality, what I'll probably do, Matt, when I retire is I'll be a hospice volunteer. I'll be doing for free what I'm getting paid to do now. Mm. Uh, it's probably, well, I won't do it as much, but uh, I'll still be doing the same thing in retirement as I'm doing at work. Mm. Requires a lot of heart to 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 say something like that. To... No, no, man, it's boredom. Yeah. I, I don't want to, with retirement, it, every time I've retired, it's boredom. Really? I, after, well, in one case of just weeks, I said, "Now this is I don't this is boring. Mm-hmm. I want to go back to work." Mm-hmm. And uh, you know, work just gives you a framework for your life and it gives you something of value and, and get it, 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 you you know you're of value because you're still productive. Mm. And with retirement, I looked around and I thought it 
I'm not doing enough. This is not this is not productive. Yeah. Or, or not productive enough for me. Uh, so it, it's it's a feeling. A lot of it is just self worth. Mm. Mm. Self worth, meaning, drive, yeah. Yeah. purpose. All of those things. Yeah. And uh, you know, you know, life without those things, uh, that, that's not retirement. That's not the golden years, certainly. Yeah. Yeah. That's kind of drifting, right? Yeah. Yeah. And well, and it, there's a, there's a, an element of waste there as well. If you have a skill, if you have a talent, you should be using it. Mm -hmm. You shouldn't be sitting at home watching daytime television. <laughs> yes, yes. It's interesting because we go and serve patients who are retired, <laughs> and, and they're sitting at home watching daytime television. Yeah. Do you feel like sometimes your presence brings them some purpose and some direction? And Well, yeah, I certainly hope that happens. Although, as they say, I, in a lot of ways, that's more in your bailiwick than mine. Because <laughs> uh, I'm sort of focused on resources and, you know, when it gets into the spiritual part of it, or even the, I, I, you touch on the history, what, what did you do in your working life and things like that. But... Mm. Um, yeah, uh, I, I think you're bringing something to it, but as I look at it, Matt, it, it's not, what I bring is not terribly important. The nurse's stuff is more important than anything that I do. Mm. And for certain patients, what, what you do is, is more important than, mm. than uh, the rest of it. And, and I don't, I'm content to be what is essentially a bit player. Mm. You know, mm. the, uh, the stars of this show are the nurses. Mm. I agree. The uh, people who are carrying the load, that's the nurses. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And whatever little bit we can do to right. well, help out. To right. help out both the nurses and the patients. That's all well and good. Uh, but like I say, the, the nurses are, the, are, are, are essentially the, the host profession. The rest of us are just kind of... Oh, yeah. Yeah. Are there any uh, specific tools or methods you might suggest for um, for preventing burnout in this well, profession? Yeah, you know, certainly there are a lot of books you can go to, magazine articles you can go to, webcasts that you can mm -hmm. go to, podcasts. Mm -hmm. There are a lot of resources, um, and uh, if you're in the inclination to do a little bit research, look around, you can find material on the computer or in the library or at the bookstore mm -hmm. that can help you with this. Mm -hmm. There's a, at the beginning of my research, um, there's a phase where I kind of identified some of the key values for nurses and kind of boiled down to three things, gratitude, mm -hmm. teamwork, and resilience. Mm -hmm. um, is, there, uh, is there anything that you might uh, suggest for promoting those three things that, that might reinforce yeah. someone's gratitude or resilience? Or... You know, one thing I would think, Matt, is setting some time aside to do just that, specifically to do that. And once a week, every two weeks, once a month, set aside some time to look at your situation, uh, to assess how things are going, and, and think about just that, about gratitude, and think about the balance of life, and um, just a little introspection, hmm. and set aside some time specifically for that. Hmm. Don't wait for the summer vacation. Yeah, yeah. 
to it now, right? Yep. What does uh, what does burnout mean to you? Uh, burnout uh, it basically is when you've used up all your emotional resources. Uh, we all have a, a, a limit to our emotional resources. Mm-hmm. And burnout is when you've gotten perilously close to that line mm-hmm. where you're out of emotional resources, mm-hmm. where maybe you don't feel towards your client population like you used to. Mm-hmm. And that's one of the things that, that I would say burnout pretty soon. You're not giving the patients what they deserve because you've been giving too much. Mm-hmm. Do you think it's a lot more prevalent now that we have this this oh, pandemic. Oh, absolutely. Um, yeah, I mean, it doesn't make any difference if you're a floor nurse, an ER nurse, a hospice nurse, home health nurse, uh, anybody in healthcare right now uh, is getting punished. It's taking a beating. Mm. Mm. Yeah. Have you ever been burnt out? <laughs> well, I retired three times, man. So <laughs> uh, I, I, I'm sure that was part of the reason that oh, I don't want to be in ER anymore. I'm done with this, and so yeah, I, 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 I like most healthcare people. There have been times when I got too caught up in it and went beyond the reasonable limits to uh, stay life balanced. Mm. Yeah, my last guest and I we were talking about. How uh, how there's times where we just kind of ebb and flow in in and out of that mm-hmm. state. Um, yeah. Uh, so, were, what were some ways you found healing? Uh, well, I for me, I have uh, six kids and eleven grandchildren, so wow. they are a ready source. Yeah. Uh, you know, I've been blessed to have great kids and. They've been there when, I, if and when I needed them, and the grandkids same way. So, mm. uh, for me, it's kids and grandkids. Mm. Yeah, kids are so amazing. They, uh, I remember several instances where I would have a rough day at work, and I'd just go home <laughs> and get tackled by the kids. Yeah, and... or they'll they ask you a question, or they make some comment, and suddenly the whole day kind of comes into focus. Yeah, and. Uh... Or you just kind of, you just want to spend time with them and enjoy the, the fruit of that that moment, you yeah. know, and that awe and wonder that they bring. Uh-huh. Yeah. So, what are three things you are grateful for in your day to day? I think you kind of answered it. But yeah, yeah, it, it would be. Where I live, what I do, and the people I work with, those three things. Um, I, on occasion, I've worked in other settings other than healthcare, and I don't ever want to work anyplace other than healthcare. The people that you work with in healthcare are just the best. Mm. So, because uh, a job to me is only worth the people that you're working with. Mm. Uh, and um, healthcare and this particular organization, Specifically, uh, they're great people to work with. Hmm. I agree. I agree. Is there anything special you'd like to share with our nurses who are listening? Or <laughs> yeah, good luck. Keep going, and uh, but uh, know where the limit is. Yeah. Take care of yourself. Yeah.
Thank you, everybody, for listening today. Uh, this is Reduce Nurse Burnout Podcast. This guest was Dwight Watson. Thank you, and safe travels.